Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! inside for Andre oh. in a dynamite dunk. It's episode number 29 here of the Palace of Pistons podcast. The whole crew is back together. Brendan Johnson here alongside Aaron Johnson and Ryan Pay and boys. It's been a few weeks since we've had the whole crew in one spot. It's good to be back with everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad we could all finally get back together. Um you know, Ryan hasn't been here for a little bit. Good to see him back. Oh, okay. Give throwing shots at me when it's like, hey, Ryan, <laughs> please don't show up this week. I'm yeah. going to have someone else on. Oh, okay. All right. Aaron's like, What's hey. What's that all about? I've got get a better, out of here. I've got a better guest than you. You both get a little coach's scratch. Aaron goes on. And I'm glad the podcast went well. But that shade right there, man, that's that intense. That was tough. Wow. Glad. That's a tough look. I'm just glad you're healthy and ready to go. I'm just, no, wow, I don't even know if I want to be here now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, we're going to take a look around the NBA and a couple of things, get into some Pistons talk as well, as we always do here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. And guys, the offseason's still with us, but slowly but surely, we're inching to the preseason. We're inching to the beginning of the NBA season, and it'll be here before you know it. And one thing I want to talk about is now, really, the offseason uh, moves, acquisitions, things like that have come to a close. I want to talk who is the biggest winner and the biggest loser of the NBA offseason. And actually, as we were kind of talking before coming on the pod here, there's a variety of ways you could angle this. And Aaron, since you uh, you were throwing some shade, yeah, I guess I'll start with you. Um, what What's your thought on who is, we'll start with biggest winner of the NBA offseason. I think in terms of Making moves, uh, I, I was really impressed with the Oklahoma City Thunder's offseason. I think right off the bat, they were able to keep Paul George, which is an absolutely huge move because the expectation around the league was that Paul George was already on his way to Los Angeles when the Thunder were eliminated from the playoffs. But that night, July 1st, like an hour into free agency, he re-upped on a long-term deal, four-year deal, with the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's another superstar that you get to keep alongside Russell Westbrook. It solidifies them as a playoff and maybe somewhat of a title contender for the foreseeable future. And then they bolstered their roster uh, after getting Paul George. Uh, I think the biggest move is, it, I'm a big believer in the, the there being a thing called addition by subtraction. I think getting rid of Carmelo Anthony is addition by subtraction. I don't think Anthony worked in OKC whatsoever. I don't think anyone really thought he did. And those shots, those possessions that Melo hogged from other players uh, are no longer there. So I think that's that's a good move to just not have to deal with Carmelo Anthony anymore. Uh, adding Dennis Schroeder, that's a pretty big move in my book. Was decent last year for the Atlanta Hawks, but now he's going to go play in that six-man role. You can see him in some lineups alongside Russell Westbrook. Uh, I think Schroeder's a guy that is is a good player. He can orchestrate an offense. He'll be great with the second unit. You remember him back when Jeff Teague was the lead man with the Hawks. Schroeder was just a killer uh, with that second unit, so it's really good to get him back. Uh, some other moves that they made, they were able to re-sign 
Jeremy Grant, who plays a big role off their bench, athletic, uh, defensive-minded, forward, big man. Um, they waived Kyle Singler with a stretch provision. They added Nerlens Noel, who I think can still do something in this league. Uh, is a good backup center. Again, can defend, is lengthy, can finish at the rim. So I, I was really impressed with the Thunder's moves, and I think it puts them in a position to uh, really compete this year. You know, when we talked about this and we were bringing up topics for the podcast, I thought there was a pretty clear answer. And Aaron, you bring up the Thunder, and uh, Ryan, you know, I'll let you go here in a second, but I really thought it was clear as day the Los Angeles Lakers, right? You go out, you sign LeBron James, you're able to bring in some guys with some playoff experience, Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, um, JaVale McGee. But then the other thing is you did not have to move any of your young studs to bring in an all-star, to bring in still the best player in the NBA. And I thought that was monumental. And it maybe isn't even something that they win the championship this year, but having LeBron sets that franchise up for a minimum of three years of contention in the West and the at least the expectation that they will compete for and be in an NBA Finals at some point over the next three years. I think the move for the Lakers to get them back on the map for Magic Johnson to make that big move of landing LeBron James, I just... When we were talking about this, this was a you know broader topic than I thought because you know I agree the Thunder had a good offseason and being able to sell Paul George on you know staying in OKC, him not leaving to go to the Lakers, but I mean Magic Johnson landing LeBron, the Lakers getting back on the map, having an All Star, another guy that's going to go down in the Laker history as you know maybe the greatest of all time to play in that uniform. Gosh, I mean, I thought this was a no-brainer. Ryan, where do you stand on this? All right, so I like both your picks. I like the moves OKC's made. And I I agree with, you know, bringing LeBron in is big for L.A. But there's something I think you're both missing here. And the winner of this offseason is the Boston Celtics. Why? One, LeBron has left the East. He's gone. He's gone to L.A. They no longer have to fight that battle. Two, they're bringing back Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. We get to see what they look like. It looks like, you know, Gordon Hayward's putting in that work this offseason, getting better. And three, you get the next step for Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's proving, you know, he's going to be a star in this league, and we're only going to see him grow more, along with Jalen Brown. Now we get all that to mesh, and they don't have to deal with LeBron, and Philly didn't really make any moves to make themselves better. Sure, they have to uh, worry about uh, Kawhi Leonard in uh, Toronto, but I don't. To me, it's pretty obvious. This Brad Stevens-led Boston Celtics team, who no longer have to deal with LeBron in the East, they're the winners. It's an interesting take. Sure, they didn't really make any major moves, but they've won. Addition they've won. is it by subtraction, and it's not even on their team. It's in their conference. The one thing that was holding them back is gone. That's an interesting take. They've won. And, you know, I, and I think all three teams kind of have a fair point. Maybe we got to make this our Pals of Pistons podcast uh, Twitter poll of the week. Who was right in this? Who, had the, who was the winner of the offseason? Because I think you can make a legitimate case for all three teams, whether it be the Lakers, the Celtics, or the OKC Thunder, or tweet at Pals of Pistons and tell us we're all wrong. 
Maybe there's another team in the mix. Because you could talk about Toronto acquiring Kawhi Leonard uh, amongst the several other teams. Uh, but I think we got to get that on the Twitter and hear back from you. Because we want to know your thoughts, right? I think all of us had a pretty good stance uh, on the biggest winner of the offseason. My thing is, in terms of who is about to go win that championship, the moves OKC made are great, but they're not winning a title anytime soon. The move for LeBron, that's massive. That's awesome. The Lakers franchise needed that. But are they knocking off Golden State anytime soon? Not this year. No. I don't even think next year. It depends what they do with all that cap space they have. Agreed. But who has a legitimate threat in the East now? And that's Boston with all their talent. And they have no one in their way, boys. I don't know. I think I'm the clear-cut winner here, fellas. I do. Thinking about it, playing it through my head, when we were talking things over, I'm like, man... My argument's the weakest. I don't think I have a. I don't think I'm going to win this at all. But talking it through, I'm like, man, I just blew you guys out of the water. <laughs> Welcome back to the pod. Well, we'll let the people speak. All right, at Palace of Pistons, we're going to get that Twitter poll going. Uh, we'll get Aaron on that. He's the, uh, the the tech geek over here. He'll make that happen, right, Mister Social Media? You know, you had to throw some shade earlier. There you go. That's what goes around comes around, big fella. And. No, Man. I'm just lining up this guy. For next week's this podcast. guy just throwing shade. <laughs> Guess who's back on the pod and putting you in the dirt? The crew is back together. Yeah, I'm just it's good to be I'm back. Getting, boys. I'm lining up guys. It's for good next to week. be back. You guys boys. are going to be here. Oh my goodness! Well, you know, right now of the last two minutes, Aaron is the biggest loser of this podcast. But I want to talk about easy, easy. Who was the biggest loser in the NBA this off season? So. You know, we started with you last time, Aaron. You were the biggest loser of the last two minutes. Careful. We're going to keep it that way. As Ryan, I'm going to let you go first, right? Looking at the NBA, looking at moves the teams made of any team, East or West, biggest loser this offseason. For me, the biggest loser was the Houston Rockets. They were a Chris Paul injury away last year from knocking off Golden State and going to the NBA Finals. Big part of that was because they were playing defense on Golden State that no one else could really play. And now in the offseason, they lose Trevor Ariza and Bahamute, and they bring in Carmelo Anthony? For what? For offense? The guy's not really an offensive threat anymore. He's not really much of a player anymore. I love Carmelo Anthony. I wanted him to be drafted by the Pistons back in 03. Love the guy. Love his career. Great scorer. But what does that do to make them any better to help them contend against Golden State? Nothing. It makes them worse. Trevor Ariza was so important for them on defense. Gone. And now, you're replacing him with Carmelo Anthony. A guy who's just not an offensive threat in this league anymore. Do any of you disagree with that? No, but I mean, come on. Brandon Knight's going to take him to the next level. Stop it. Stop (laughs) it. Stop. I don't think very highly of Brandon Knight's abilities anymore in the league either. I mean, he's okay. But that doesn't take them to the next level. I think no, it doesn't. I think he'd be a serviceable. Yeah, he'll be serviceable. He'll be fine. Like he's a nice player, but there's nothing that they need to get better. They were so close. They were right there. It was a Chris Paul injury away, and they they just got worse in the offseason. Yeah, they 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 massively struggled in the offseason. What? And I think it was because they got. Stingy with their money. I mean, agreed. look how long it took them to re-sign Clint Capella. Right, agreed. Um, and they made moves that they 
they did exactly what they said going into the offseason they wouldn't do. You know, Daryl Morey came into the offseason and said that they were going to make everything work and they were bringing back this same group because they think they're good enough to beat the Warriors if they're healthy. And they lose Trevor Ariza on the first night of free agency. They let Luka and Bamute go back to the Clippers. Um, and, and these these moves, they, they just don't inspire confidence in that group because Ariza and Mbamute played pretty big roles on that team last year. And now neither of those guys are gone. And I, I talked about Carmelo Anthony being addition by subtraction. And now he's going to go to a team that like needs him to be good. And he's just not good anymore. He's not. And it's not a slight on him at all. It's just... He's past his prime. In what way do these moves they've made help them? For a team that was going to the NBA Finals, I thought if Chris Pauling here, they were going to knock off Golden State. I don't even know if they can get back to the Western Conference Finals anymore. It only gets tougher for them. It's only getting tougher for them. Because you have LeBron in the mix now. The Thunder got better this offseason. I think New Orleans got better this offseason. Portland's still around. Utah's going to have... You know, Donovan Mitchell in year two. I think Grayson Allen's going to do something for them. You know, they're going to be a solid team. Um, so I think it only gets tougher for you. So I still think they can do it, um, but it, it it will be a, a loftier challenge. Agreed. Fair enough. So Aaron, you talk about all these teams that got better. Who's the team that, well, frankly, did not get better, in your opinion, this offseason? Well, Ryan definitely has, like, the top answer in Houston. Yeah, they, that's, it's rigged right now. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're like, I, I'm, I like being different. I don't want to just beat the same horn over and over. So I went with the San Antonio Spurs. I they, I don't. They I mean they lost Kawhi Leonard. They they lost his trust, and you lose an MVP caliber player's trust, and you have to move on from him. Well, then that's like you. That's like kind of like losing LeBron James. Like it's a, just a major loss. Kawhi is a top five player in the league when he's healthy. That's a huge loss. Manu Ginobili retires. That's a Hall of Fame caliber player, and he's gone. He's, you know, serviceable backup, you know, guard off that bench. He's gone. Tony Parker, he's gone. He signs away, spends his entire career in San Antonio, and kind of out of the blue, just leaves. I mean, the guy was amazing there. Another Hall of Fame caliber player. Um, just not a great offseason for them. Kyle Anderson, versatile wing, can shoot a little bit, uh, is, is a nice playmaker. He, he walks. And, sure, they got DeMar DeRozan. He's an all-star level player. Jakob Poil, I don't know how to say his last name. He's not a bad center to work with and, and, and develop. But these aren't guys that make up anywhere near what they had in, in Kawhi, Manu, Kyle Anderson. All those guys combined, what they what they brought in compared to what they lost. Uh, this was an abysmal offseason for San Antonio, and I think it's the start of uh, a, a rebuild. The end of an era, maybe. In can, San yeah, Antonio. I was gonna say. Can I just say how sad it is to think, mm-hmm. even though I hated San Antonio back in 04 and 05, mm-hmm. you know, going up against those Pistons teams and stuff. Uh, just to see that it's no longer Timmy Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. Well, you together think, with Pop starting that. Like, that's just so sad. An end of an era. Late 90s. Yeah, to really. Now. To now. That's how long it's been going on, and it's Pop's the only one standing. And Danny Green's gone. And Danny, Danny Green's he's, gone. He's yes. just there. Like he, he's. He's always been around in San Antonio for so long, and he, he was a good player. Like three and D, amazing transition defender, knockdown shooter. He's gone too. It's just like they lost so much, and now they got to re-sign Rudy Gay. Right. You still got Paul Gasol. Yeah. You know, Lamarcus Aldridge is, is a fine player, but you're paying him a lot of money. 
your replacement for Kawhi Leonard and Manu, guy like Dante Cunningham. Come on. This was, I mean, I'm kind of talking myself into this being a worse offseason for San Antonio than it was for Houston. Because, I mean, you got to imagine. Legitimately, if yeah. If, if I mean, I tend to, to agree. If you're this able to tough. keep Kawhi, like, this is this is a team that's going to compete. Because right. it's Kawhi, you have LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, you know, you draft Lonnie Walker, who can turn into a nice player. But then, you you know, you lose Danny Green and you lose Kyle Anderson. You lose these role players that help keep that team going. And it's like, here we are. Nah, they're not going to make the playoffs. And, yeah, tough blow for San Antonio. And just to kind of touch on that, just for a slight minute more, you kind of brought it up, Ryan. Oh four, oh five. You hated those damn Spurs. Nobody wanted them around. I couldn't stand them. Right? You look at Manu Ginobili, and you're just like, I want to punch that guy. Tony Parker, get out of here. Tim Duncan, why are you so good? And um, you know, it's kind of like that team that you grow up disliking if you're a Pistons fan because of them and the troubles they caused you in the NBA Finals and whatnot. Um, but now that now that that empire is starting to crumble, now that that era is, is on its way to the end, it's kind of sad to look at that and go, "Wow!" It's very sad, honestly. For the last few years, I found them more endearing than yes. me hating them, um, and it does. It breaks <laughs> my heart to watch this empire fall. All empires fall, but this one's been around for a very long time. They don't normally last this long in the NBA. That's special. This has been going on since 97. Yeah, like my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, been, it's tough. It's tough. Absolutely. You know, you guys have good picks for losers, too. And um, I actually still agree that Houston would be the biggest loser because they were so close to a championship. Obviously, it's a tough offseason for San Antonio. But even if Tony Parker comes back, Manu doesn't retire, and Kawhi stays, San Antonio's not winning in the West. Um so I will agree with you that Houston, they needed to take that next step, and that's why they were a loser, because instead of taking a step forward, they took two steps back. But if I'm going to take a team from the Eastern Conference to shed some light there as well, I thought Philadelphia is a loser this offseason. A team that had a real opportunity to step forward and make a move to kind of jump to the top, top spot with uh, LeBron leaving Cleveland. They didn't do anything for it. So I thought that was disappointing. But, boys, we need to shift this back to the Pistons, obviously, here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. And we talk about teams that win and won and lost this offseason. And I want to know what the Pistons can do to win this season. And not just win games, but exceed expectations, right? I think the expectation generally is that the Pistons are at a, a ceiling, a six seed, more realistically, the seven or eight seed. What do they have to do to exceed that expectation of being maybe one of those bottom teams into the Eastern Conference playoffs and likely a first-round exit? I think the biggest thing is staying healthy. I think if this team is healthy, there's nothing stopping them from competing for home court advantage. Because they are very good when Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond are healthy. Health is the biggest thing, and it will be the biggest thing with this court that is currently here. Uh, but outside of health, it's the internal development of Luke Kennard and Stanley Johnson. Are those guys going to take the next steps in their careers? Can Luke Kennard continue to develop as a top-line shooter and a very good secondary playmaker? And can he become an average defender? Can Stanley Johnson com- complete an offensive repertoire, repertoire of having a, a, a near-average three-point shot and a more focused and comfortable 
game attacking the rim. Uh, if those guys can make those improvements, I think it adds elements to Detroit that people aren't really expecting. Um, but again, I, I think if they're healthy, like just health alone, they can they can do more than what they're expected to. Because I think a lot of people look at Reggie Jackson and they see, oh, this guy's just hurt, not very good, doesn't really matter. And I think that's just kind of the national media's perspective of him. But all stats indicate fake that when news. Reggie Jackson... <laughs> fake news. All stats indicate that when Reggie Jackson plays... The Pistons are an, a very good team. Mm-hmm. So staying healthy, keeping Blake Griffin healthy, um, and then the development of those guys in, in your organization, I think that propels this team. I, I agree with that. The number one is staying healthy. Because if Blake Griffin's only playing you know, 51 games this year and Reggie Jackson misses part of the season, it's... Allison. Oh, geez, Allison. Jesus Christ. Um, God damn. I'm just saying, <laughs> I just want to say something real quick. I know I rag on Henry Allison a lot, but like, Every time there's a social media post with him in it this offseason, I'm telling you, the dude looks more and more cut, like, every picture he's in. So, Ellenson. I don't know what he's doing, but I guess, like, stick with it because he, he's going to need some strength if he has to play minutes because in years past, he, he's been getting bodied down low, and, like, to see him, like, at least make some progression, at least strength-wise, I guess you got to take it. I still think he's getting bodied this season, but that's beside the point. Good for him for putting the work in. I appreciate the efforts. Anyway, what was I saying? I don't even know. Blake Griffin can't be playing 51 games, and you have Reggie Jackson miss a big part of the season and expect this team to win. Um, so health is definitely a big issue. But another thing is how, how Dwayne Casey manipulates the lineups. Um, how is he going to play these players? What does he feel is going to work best? Because uh, obviously the way Stan Van went about the lineups, not the best for the team. So what kind of small ball lineup is he putting out there? I know that's something we've discussed. What do we like? But what does he see? How does Luke Kennard develop? How does he fit in the role that he needs to play? How is Dwayne Casey going to coach this team, make them better, help them grow? That's a big part of this. No doubt about it. You know, I I think that both of those are very, very important for the Pistons if they want to exceed the expectation. This ESPN does project them to be the eighth seed coming out of the East. Um, But the other thing that we've gotten a little bit of a sneak preview of in terms of some interviews with Blake Griffin and whatnot via some other podcasts and um, NBA coverage in the offseason, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond need to build the connection that Blake had with DeAndre Jordan in Los Angeles. Those two need to learn how to play seamless together. Those two need to be able to develop that pick and roll that we've talked a little bit about here on the pod with Blake and Andre. Those two running a pick and roll would be nasty. And if you're able to get those guys on the same page, and I think when you look at a league perspective, right, everybody sees Blake Griffin as still a good player, a marketable guy, uh, you know, has that L.A. entertainer side to him as well. But he's also a slightly declining player. He's not what he used to be. You look at Andre Drummond, and you look at a guy that's just a freak of an athlete, a a, a giant, a mammoth, not somebody that you want to deal with when he's on, but he's also lazy. And he doesn't contribute much to the offense still besides some garbage points and then some rolls off a pick and roll to the basket. Wait, did you say about Andre Drummond? Yeah. That's not true. Come on. Don't just say Andre Drummond is a garbage point pick and roll. I said from a maybe you should pay attention. Um, yeah. A league perspective Jeez. is that's what you're going to get out of Andre. 
and that was the league perspective of what Blake Griffin is. But if those two are able to take that next step together, and, and an Andre plays a little less lazy, if you will, has a better work ethic throughout the season, and Blake is able to take a small step forward this offseason, that, I think, can be enough to propel the Pistons to maybe even a five seed in the Eastern Conference. All right, first off, maybe next week we're bringing in a new maybe. cast. Aaron, yeah. maybe you got to step to the side. Pay attention. I'm just kidding, buddy. Not really. <laughs> Two, I agree. They do need to get that Blake Griffin, DeAndre Drummond chemistry. But at the same time, how much are they really going to be playing together on the court? If they're going Blake, small ball lineups, I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll go small ball enough to where I think Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are going to spend a lot of. time. You think they're going to be on the court a lot together? Yeah, yes, because I think we're going to see a lot of the four or five stuff, the four or five pick and rolls. With Blake and Andre running, so we're not going to update the way we play the game. We're going to continue to play the no, same. No, I'm way. not saying that. You'll definitely see some small ball lineups, but like, no, I agree. Gonna, I agree. You're not going to go just not them at the start of games or at the end. Of no, the right. Games. It's probably it's going to be them at the start and at the end. But in the middle, are they going to be playing a lot together? I I think they'll. I think you will see small ball lineups, but I still think you'll see a lot of Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. So. We better be pretty good offensively because I don't think Blake and Drummond together on the defensive end covering covering more small ball teams is going to work out too well for us. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if Blake is can be versatile enough to defend I want him to be. Force. I want him to be. But is he at this point in his career? Yeah, I mean. No don't don't wrong. Like, don't, no I, I think they're going to be playing a lot together too. It's just with the we've talked but, about the way the game is well, shifting. Yes, but you talk about maybe manipulating those lineups. You could see Griffin playing some point forward with three guards on the floor and Andre. You know, like you could have Bullock, Kennard, Glenn Robinson with Blake bringing the ball up the floor and Andre at the five. Right. That's agreed. But my concern isn't really on the offensive side, I guess. It's more on the defensive side. Yeah. I don't, I think Drummond's a liability if he leaves the paint. And is Blake Griffin mobile enough and agile enough to guard the smaller forwards in those smaller lineups? Is I think he? it, I or think are we going to be having okay. to put up 115 points a game? I I don't think it'll be. Besides your teams like Golden State, where if they want to, they can go with five guys that can all hit three pointers. I don't think it's going to be a big enough issue on a nightly basis to where that that becomes that big of an issue. And I think I think throwing Blake Griffin out there with lineups alongside Drummond, and you have more versatile wings out there that can defend the 1-3, to three, you know, Stan Lee, Glenn, Reggie Bullock. Having those versatile forwards can kind of make up for Blake's, Blake's not, I don't want to say inability, but less of an ability to go out and defend smaller three, or defend smaller fours, quicker fours. You know, I think that's a way to try to remedy it and kind of try to hide him on maybe the worst three-point shooting option on the court or something to that magnitude. Um I don't know. I I don't see. I don't foresee this team going with a heavy dosage of lineups that just feature Blake or just feature. Andre. I think they're going to have to be on the floor a lot because those are your two pillars, and that's kind of what I think people are anticipating the offense to be built around. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll be interesting to see, and kind of ties in the whole manipulating of lineups and can they stay healthy? Because obviously you need to stay healthy to see Blake Griffin on the floor and even have a chance of those two playing together. And the Pistons did announce that they're going to make some improvements in trying to maintain that healthiness of their players. Uh, Last week, the team announced that they have hired a new medical director and a head athletic trainer, Bernard Condevo, new medical director. I bet you botched that name. I would have too, but I I don't know. How do you say it? I don't know. I just, I I 
I just I, I don't feel like it's pronounced like that. Condivo. I mean, that's how the A U X is pronounced. I'm going Condivo. All right. I I hope you're right for the podcast's sake. I hope you're right. I don't know. I just I do going he's into wrong, it. We're getting another. Oh podcast. man. Maybe we'll just. I, I don't know. Some real credibility issues here, boys. Aaron might not clear waivers at this point. Fold this one up. <laughs> and then Jim Scholler named the head athletic trainer. Um, both of these guys, Michigan natives, cool to see them come back to their home state, work for the Pistons. Scholler worked uh, under Ed Stefanski in Memphis as well, Aaron. So uh, you see Arnie Don't Kinder. say Aaron. Don't, don't say it to me like that. You're undermining me here. What? I was transitioning it to you. That's all oh, I was all right, doing. That's, all right. This sure is you podcast sure one Who Next. knew the return of the boys was going to be so contentious? Oh Jesus. My. I didn't even think anything of that one, Ryan. Seriously. I didn't either. You just that put was that just in the there. Transition and just he like, just came in hot at you. I was like, what is going on yeah, right that's now? That's one of those people want to listen to a podcast where we're not jumping all over each other. So I just transitioned it to Aaron. And I say he worked under Ed Stefanski in Memphis, Aaron. And, uh, I mean, Aaron typed that down on the notes, for goodness sakes. It's not like I'm telling him something he doesn't know. And I was about to let him talk. But, Ryan, let's go over to you. <laughs> Arnie Kander comes in and he's able to help the Pistons make some moves, change up their athletic training staff, and, and nice to see a new direction for the Detroit. It's Pistons. it's absolutely good to see a new direction. It's something that was needed. We've talked about it before. Uh, I think the outlook's bright for the training staff and the health health and wellness staff. It's good to see. I mean, I don't have many more thoughts on it other than it's good to see. You know, that's it's what they need it's to a new do. Direction, it's right? what they need to do. They need that new direction. Let's go. Let's work, boys. You know, recently I've heard some some rather interesting stories about the Detroit's previous medical staff, and I'm going to keep those stories off the record because they were told to me off the record, but it's very good that Detroit has moved on from the training staff that they had in place, and with John Ishup leading that training and medical staff, uh, I think it was it's a very necessary move, and just to see that they have these guys in place now, it's like, like you said, Ryan, all right, let's go to work, and like, I guess, let's see it. Like, I don't want to say let's see someone get hurt, but, like, let's just see them stay healthy. Let's see if this training staff is doing the right job stretching these players out, rehabbing them after games, before practice, after practice, in these situations. Let's let's see that. And when that in, first injury does arise, let's see how that player does following that injury. Is he getting injured a few games after coming back? Or, you know, is he relatively healthy after that? You know, these are things that... I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to watch for now after the debacle of last last uh, training staff. Uh, no doubt about that. Good for the Pistons that they were able to bring in a new staff and kind of start fresh. Um, and I guess that Aaron, with his inside sources, will follow for more information on uh, how good this new medical staff is for the Pistons. Well, boys, we started the podcast talking about you know the biggest winners biggest losers of the NBA offseason. Uh, and we talked about things that other teams did this year. But I want to close the podcast on a not the same but similar kind of related topic, more involving the Pistons, though. Looking back in recent memory, what is, in your opinion, just a fun opinion question to end the pod, maybe gets everybody a little smile on their face, we move some of that tension away that Aaron <laughs> has brought solely himself to this podcast. <laughs> but in recent memory, what is the most disappointing move Detroit has made, whether it be via trade, waving a player, not going after a player? If there's one move that stands out in recent memory, and, and, and let's... I don't know how far back you boys want to go with this. I don't want to go back to the Joe Dumars. You can go era. with guys still in the league. 
yeah. Let's let's okay. Let's just keep it within maybe the last five years or so. I don't want to go too far back. Uh, Aaron, I'll start with you this time, and that's simply just a podcast transition. <laughs> go ahead. I know the way Ryan intends to go with this topic, so I'm going to go with my guy Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I, he didn't really get a fair shot in Detroit with playing time and opportunity, um, and Detroit l- traded him for Cameron Bearstow, who they trade or waived like immediately after trading for him. Just the stupidest, stupidest move possible. Um, Dinwiddie now obviously a very serviceable point guard in the league. Um, was one of the leading vote-getters for most improved player last year. Has a future on the Nets alongside D'Angelo Russell. And you look at what he did last year. One of the most efficient uh, distributors in the league of players that played more than 50 games in a season. He was second in the league in assist-to-turnover ratio, only behind Darren Collison of the Indiana Pacers. Um, He can shoot the three-ball. He's made plenty of big shots in his time with Brooklyn. And he's a very likable guy. He's a very good teammate. You never hear any qualms about him or anything he's done. So uh, to see Detroit lose him when a guy like Dinwiddie could have saved seasons past when Reggie Jackson has gone down, um, it's it that move definitely stinks. No, I agree. Like That one was tough. But when we posed this question, the first name and the only name that came to me for about five minutes – was the obvious one, I think, right. for everyone, yeah. is Chris Middleton. Now, at the time when we moved on from him, I'm not going to lie, I didn't think much of it. But then, as you see what he's become in the league, it's just, how did Dumars and the boys not see this potential in him? They clearly drafted him for a reason, and then moved on real quick from him. And it's heartbreaking. Very. Look because... how he, what, what an offensive threat he is. In this league. He's like what you want Luke Kennard to be he's, times like he, a million. Yes. Like, he is he's taller, obviously a much better defender than Luke Kennard, but offensively, that secondary playmaker that is an absolute sharpshooter can get to the rim and finish. Like he's exactly what you would have wanted Luke Kennard to become. Exactly. he's what a complete player in this league. And we just gave up on him. Done. Didn't even really give him a chance. Sad thing is at the time I was more concerned about losing Kim English. Right at the time, I I know can't, can't, I was the same way with Kim English. I was like, oh, that's tough. I think the kid has some real potential. Didn't think much of Chris Middleton, and here we are. Kim English is coaching basketball Colorado, somewhere. Colorado's perfectly okay with Kim English being done in the yeah. NBA. Yeah, and Chris and Middleton is at, just right? I think Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, I think it's Colorado. And I know and Chris Middleton is just killing in the league you know he's what I mean? very good he's player. a very good he's a, player he's not, I mean, he's not a world beater or he's anything, not an all-star but he's not but an like all-star. he's like that tier of like you're not an all-star but you're just a damn good secondary player a great starting piece for your like team. imagine if chris middleton was on this pistons team with with reggie jackson with blake griffin with under Drummond. like that team like i think that's a title contending team because chris middleton is that oh hot take chris middleton makes pistons <laughs> title <laughs> contender <laughs> that is Wow, that's burning oh, hot. Yeah, so, so I, Chris up. Middleton is a damn good player. He guys. is. I agree. He's a very, very, very and like good what player. What he does would help this team in areas that they tend to exponentially. Struggle in. So, and it's I'll, I'll put it out there. I'll put it out there. Chris, Chris Middleton, Middleton makes, makes the Pistons a contender. title contenders. Go talk to the Milwaukee Bucks. Wow. All right. Well, you heard Give it, it here, Stanley Johnson. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, you heard it here first, folks. 
Chris Middleton would make the Pistons. All right, Stefanski, you need you know what you need to go do. Go get Chris Middleton because you know, uh, he's listening to the podcast. He's trying to pick up some ideas, right? He just knows. Hey, I'm I'm available for hire. He knows where to get his news right here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Well, all of you listeners do know that the Palace of Pistons podcast does provide this high quality content. We appreciate everybody that listens to the pod. Numbers have been great. We appreciate all the support. Again, to keep in touch with us. You can always visit our website, palacepistons.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at Palace of Pistons. Follow us on Instagram, at Palace of Pistons. You can follow each of us on Twitter as well. You got Aaron at A. Johnson NBA. You've got Ryan at Pay underscore Ryan. You've got myself at Media Brendan. Also, you know the deal. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Throw us the five stars. Um, or, I mean, I guess if there's something you want us to improve upon, like Aaron's sour attitude today, let us know that as well. Uh, we love the feedback. We are open to suggestions, especially <laughs> on that. Absolutely. So we appreciate everybody listening to episode number 29 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. And we will see you next time for episode number 30 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.